every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Blunderground Railroad. I'm Tom, and we have Steve, Mr. Stephen Ott, with us today. And today, wow, hey, chapter number seven. All right, ooh, notes from underground. This is a pretty pivotal chapter, huh, Steve? This is a long chapter. This is a very long chapter. Well, it was a long chapter. Maybe I got spoiled by the other ones. <laughs> spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I think the other chapter was too short when I was looking at it. It was, uh, it was like, you know popping a, a candy or something i mean it was just there and it was done yeah if you looked at it on your phone it looked longer ipad yep that thing was like one one scroll it was done yeah pretty much it's all done yep. but this was a longer chapter and boy this one had a lot to say i thought a lot of content for sure yeah i know a lot of content a lot of content i think this is kind of a main point of of the book and and really one of the reasons why i think we were drawn to the book originally just this concept of human nature you know yeah, uh, and it, you don't have to wait too long. Start right in it, uh, and it, it goes to the, and I, I call it. I have it uh, listed as postmodern assumption, right? And and I think that's really what it is. Uh, postmodern assumption, and the underground man lays it out. That basically we see this today. Okay, I, the, you know, in the book from the 19th century, we don't have this concept of postmodernism, uh, but we do now. And so I think we've seen this rampant, and we see this everywhere now, um, that man... So to to the postmodernist, all right, or to the underground man, the man doesn't know his own interest. Uh, you know, he doesn't... Uh, he does all these nasty things, all these inappropriate things. And the reason why is because man is in a normal state, but he's unaware of his, his normal interest, right? He needs someone to come along and reveal the reasons why the interest his own interest to him and once he does that then once he has it revealed to him he would become good and noble you know that man is not inclined to act against his own interest i mean right you see the way i think we see this a lot in society today i mean i think we see this a lot in uh for example uh like on on twitter and blunderville and on the internet you see a lot of these people who uh they want to they want to move beyond. Uh, they want the system to crash. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it seem, certainly seems that way. That uh, they're trying to crash the system, but I, again, I I don't know their motivation on on doing that. I I don't understand shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I did take one note. As a matter of fact, my first note from this chapter. Because uh, he mentioned something about there being an advantage, you know, almost to doing harmful things, and the only thing I could take away from that was, sure, you learn from mis- your mistakes, and then you get your curiosity for whatever the harmful thing you're doing to yourself is uh, out of your system. But I don't get the impression that that's what he was doing because he's spiteful. So I think maybe he was doing that stuff to himself. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's for attention or 
it's I I don't know. I can't figure out the motivation behind today the things that people do that aren't good for them. And then in Dostoevsky's underground man in his motivations for doing things mm-hmm. that are just not good for you. I don't understand why he would do that. Why he in his day and age, you mean? Yeah. Would not do it. Well, it would be the same. And I think really I think it goes back to the nature of man, all right? This is a nature question. I mean, it's about nature versus nurture, right? So these days, we're familiar. You know, you like the blank slate theory, right? Have you ever heard of this, right? The blank slate theory. Like, everyone's born with a blank slate. And so whether you're going to be good or bad, I mean, it's all condition. Hmm. Nature versus nurture. Hmm. Well, there's another debate, all right, you can say about, about nature. Is man inherently good or is man inherently bad? Right. And so uh, and so I think this goes back to and it's original sin. I mean, and as, as Christians, you and I talk about this quite a bit uh, as you know, if you're going to if you're going to approach someone, it's really important that that person knows how they feel about the human condition or how they feel about humans nature uh, is are humans inherently sinful or are they not inherently sinful? Uh, and, and here we have at the beginning of the chapter um you know, Dostoevsky says right here, man does man only does nasty things because he does not know his own interest. I don't think the underground man believes this, and you and I don't believe this, uh, but this is what people believe. Uh, if, uh, if he were enlightened, if man were enlightened, if his eyes were opened to his real normal interest, man would at once cease to do nasty things, and he would at once become good and noble. Yeah, that's... That's patently wrong from a Christian standpoint. Yeah, no, certainly, and and also too, uh, and I think um, uh, I think this kind of comes along later. I think he, this is a theme in Brothers Karmazov, I believe. Uh, but it takes more faith to believe the opposite, doesn't it? I mean, if you look around you, doesn't it take more faith to believe that the world is inherently good than it does to believe that the world is inherently bad? Oh, day by day, it gets harder. Yeah, right. Every, right. <laughs> yeah. For I mean, sure. I mean, certainly you and your experiences. I mean, you've had experiences overseas and in the uh, military and in, in war. Yeah, the more you see of this world, um, the easier it is to become pessimistic, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I don't mean to, like, crash everybody's party, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's real. I, I can't unsee the things I've seen. I can't unhave the experiences I've had. Um, yeah. And when you look around... And you you get around enough in this country and other countries, uh, you see the sinful nature of man. If you see it that way, if not, you certainly will start to understand that not everywhere is the grass greener on the other side of the fence. Right. Like okay. everybody thinks it is. Like they they think that we have this huge problem here in America that we need to fix. Yeah. Like really? Try China. Try some right. parts of Africa. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not what you think it is. You know, it really is true that what you mentioned that is so true. I know that, um, you know, I've not been to China, but I, I do, I, I get to see a lot because, you know, a lot of times, sometimes my students will go outside or, and I've had students, I've had students that have taken me out and, and shown me things and I've been able to see things and, and been on different message boards and, and gotten to understand a lot of, 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 of seen pictures and, you know, you get a sense of it, it's really not, you know, it's, it's. You know, things like whether you're talking about plumbing or you're talking about um, construction, uh, a quality of construction, 
um, you know, regulation and these things, I, <laughs> right? There ain't no OSHA over there. <laughs> Although I, th- I think we've maybe gone past the point of useful with those people. We might be at negative returns, I think, with OSHA. <laughs> Uh, with, with what? Oh, with, with OSHA. OSHA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. With Some of the OSHA. amusement parks could use a couple more inspections That's recently. true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right? That's true. It could. Good point. Um, but, yeah, it is a, It is very different. You know, it, it is very different. So to that point where we were talking about man being good or a man being bad, you know, uh, the underground man makes this point in the chapter about – the everyman, okay? And he calls it the aspect of humanity that is left out or ignored. And he always says, it's always ignored. People don't talk about it. So, right, everybody knows someone who can clearly state out their intentions in a logical way, all right? And then about 15 minutes later, he just abandons his own plans and he says, forget it. I'm just, we're just going to blow it up, you know? Uh, we see this happen all the time. I mean, it can be, people can say, well, I'm going to go, uh, uh, I'm going to call my mom. So, um, so let's say you're going to call your mom, right? You're going to call your mom at nighttime and you say, I'm going to call my mom and that's an important thing. And then you get to there and then you go, you know what? I'm not calling my mom. I'm going to play Xbox, right? I mean, I think we've all had a similar experience. And that's one thing I think that people these days can relate to. I mean, I think everybody can relate to that. I can relate to that. You can. Everybody can. Um, but, and that's not specifically what the underground man is talking about, but that is what he's talking about. You abandon your own plans. All it has to do is it has to be illogical and against, against your own interest or against the interest of someone else. And that is so common. I mean, I can't even, I mean, that's as easy as breathing, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that happens every day to every person. Uh, And you do something that, uh, you know, you decide, well, you know, I'm going to, after lunch, I'm going to do the dishes, you know, because that's the best thing for the family, you know. And then you say, oh, okay, I'm not going to do them. You you do them. You know, even though it's objectively not the right decision because you don't have anything to do. You know, there's a thousand examples I could pull. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, earlier when I was talking about, I don't know why people would do things that are, uh, inherently bad for them. Um, I, well, I guess I wasn't talking about the morally right decision because clearly there's there's a right and a wrong decision, I think. And, and I think we all know, you know, inside ourselves what would be the right and wrong thing to do. But I think people tend to take the path of least resistance, which is the path of selfishness 99.999% of the time. Yeah. Um, and so while it's not... Uh, it's not bad for them. Then it it may be the bad, quote unquote, decision, uh, the the wrong decision, not expedient decision. Um, but in the moment for them, it's not bad. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes that what what seems like the wrong decision, I guess, might just be, you know, um, let's say you, you you were talking about the example about a phone call to your mom. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to call my mom tonight. Well, right. if you just called your mom three days ago and you had a really rough day, sometimes, you know, we don't get much time today in today's society, right? Yeah. You need that mental break. Um, sometimes it's good to have that little bit of time. You're like, you know what? Tonight's couple hours to relax is my couple hours. I, I just need that. I don't need to hear about my mom's problems from today. Right. <laughs> you know, because... 
you're you're always taking on somebody else's problems with a phone call, but that's just one example. Sure. Um, where sometimes you just got to clear out your schedule, for you. Yeah. No, and that that's true. That's true. I think a lot of it goes back to, and and it's what the underground man talks about before, and I think you can also see this in our own uh, in our own society. It's the triumph of the subjective over the objective, uh, you know, and so in. Um, to the underground man, it comes from this term advantage, right? It comes to this term advantage. Yep. Uh, and uh, he doesn't understand uh, this advantage uh, about, uh, he says, uh, man would see his own advantage in the good and nothing else. Hmm. Uh, but um, the, um, you know, what is advantage, he, he says uh, in the book, sometimes not only may, but even must consist in his desiring in certain cases what is harmful to himself and not advantageous. Um, so to the underground man, this term advantage, because this is what the, the, the critics of his day, okay, the critics of the underground man's day are like, the reason that man is, does bad things is because man doesn't know what's advantageous for him. He doesn't know what his advantage is. He doesn't know what's good for him. But as soon as someone tells him what's good for him, then, then that's good. Uh, but the underground point, man points out that what is this thing advantage? Like you cannot, the term cannot be perfectly or distinctly applied, right? It doesn't mean any one thing. It's, it's, it's too subjective. And in our current day, this is where we're at with the language, right? In the language, Wyatt said this to me the other day and he's exactly right. You know, because you see this in places like Serbia and and he, he, he looks at places like the, like the Balkans. When, when you have a country that starts speaking two different languages, where you have one section speaks one language and the other section speaks another, mm-hmm. there will invariably be civil war, you know, or there will be a parting of some ways, right? You can't have, you can't have a society where people, everyone speaks two languages and then you can expect them to get along and have all these similarities with each other, you know? And, and for our culture today and for our society, that is where the split occurs. The split doesn't, it doesn't occur in any other place. It occurs in the way that we talk. And every single time, uh, and this is where we see that the polarization, people want to be with their own tribe and their own kind, primarily, primarily because they can, they can speak, they can listen, okay? They can love, they can be loved, they can educate, and they can get educated, all right? And, and that's what people are wanting to do. Uh, if you're, um, you can't, you can't. As a conservative, if you want to become uh, a well-rounded, educated person, you may be inclined to say, well, I want to go to a liberal place and, and, and get an education. And in, previously, when we all used the same language, we all used words that meant the same thing. This was possible to do. Uh, but now you find that your teachers use words that mean different things or have different power, different emphasis than the student does. And so you're using the same words, but you have different definitions. And, and this is where a lot of conflict comes. You know, you want to be able, if I use a word, say, for example, if I say, um, you know, if I say sinful nature, I don't need to worry that you are going to not know what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, right. Or if I use a word, for example, um, uh, you know, or like a word, I guess racism would be the low hanging fruit these days. You know, if as a conservative says racism and uh, whereas uh, uh, racism to a leftist may, uh, there is no such thing as racism. There is structural racism, which is a completely different thing than the racism that the person on the right is talking about. Yeah. So therefore, the person on the left says 
racism, well, that, that's a dog whistle. You know, and, and they'll now consider that to be a dog whistle for something much wider. And the reason for that isn't because the leftist, it's not because the leftist wakes up in the morning and says, well, I think that John Doe is evil, and so he's an evil guy, you know. is that It's all in the language. You know, it's in the way, in the way that they understand the language. And that's one of the reasons why, um, that's one of the reasons why our problems seem so insurmountable. Is because how can you take half the country and say, well, the word doesn't mean this anymore, it means that. You know, yeah. I mean, racism for us has really never changed on the right. It's the the bar has not moved. Um, they have lowered the bar on the left for what qualifies as racism. Mm. Ours was like, yeah, we okay, we got it. Like, we can't tell people you can't drink from this water fountain. We can't have slaves anymore. That's inherently wrong. Because we're all people, we're all equal, we got that. Mm. And they have taken it to a whole nother level. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. It's funny being uh, a member of Generation X because, you know, I, it seems to me like, like there was a time in the, the 90s, I think, like the early 90s. I mean, it really seemed like there was a lot of improvement, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like we, we finally reached that It, it that seemed like it's balance. So. I mean, you know, my children will say to me at times, they'll say, they'll say, well, Dad, it seems like when you grew up, it was just like, a, it was so, um, it was such an idyllic time, and it was so perfect, and, and there was no problems, and everything was just rosy and perfect. And one of the things that I, I say to them, that I, and I should talk more about, is, you know, it wasn't perfect. And one of the things that wasn't perfect was, you know, back, at least in my early life, my earliest memories, I mean, real racism, Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm old enough to have experienced it. So, yeah, I have experienced real racism and not like, you know, what you see these days, yeah. but actual racism. Yeah, I've seen it, you know, and so I have. Um, and so I've experienced it. And in the 90s, it felt like, wow, we're, we're, we're going to move beyond this. Like this is going to die. And then we're going to we're going to we're going to get we're going to get behind it. You know? Yeah. I mean, look at our look at our NBA teams. Look at our NFL teams. Oh, of course. And, and in, in the 90s, like we didn't think about that at all except for no. there's there's little pockets of america that were like that and if you haven't traveled again mm. this is where being stuck in your little small community and the right. only information you get is from anything you follow on facebook so right. you're gonna it, you're in an echo chamber sure you're not gonna understand this like <clears throat> something i learned was uh houston there was a certain part of houston mm-hmm. where you did not go yeah. North of a certain highway, and this was back in the '90s. This was when I was all but worshiping Michael Jordan. Okay, right? sure, sure. You know, um, I could tell you every single player there was on the '96 Bulls at that point in time. Right, right. And I think it was one white dude. Well, there was two. I think you had Tony Kukoc and Steve Kerr at that yeah, time. Yeah, I was gonna say Steve Kerr was on that team. Yeah, yeah. and he's uber liberal, by the way. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. I get that sense. I was like, no, Steve, I, I loved you, buddy. <laughs> You know, but I never, like, race did not even cross my mind as a kid. It right. was almost like we came out of the Martin Luther King days right. and the Civil Rights War, and then, like, we got to that perfect part of the seesaw right in the middle. Oh, it's true. See, but I didn't know about this little pocket of Houston, and, and I'm sure there was other little pockets, right? Mm, yeah. But you're never going to get rid of, you know, every single, you're never going to stomp out every single racist. Yeah. Like, I literally right. saw actual KKK people in West Virginia when I lived in Western Maryland. This okay. was like two and a half years ago. Right. Okay. You're oh, not wow. going to get rid of every single one of them. Right. But by and large, 
when when you look at society, you have to measure. See, the liberals keep using, if they find one crazy person with a microphone, mm-hmm. that is every single person now. You were all crazy, and this is a huge problem, and now it's everybody's problem. All right. I'm well, tired of the group punishment stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I know. No, I know. It really is. I mean, but I think I think is a lot of it's like, those are issues of identity, and we do that now. Everything is a group identity. Um, and, you know, a lot of that goes back to the loss of religion in, in Christianity. I mean, to be in Christ is a group identity and good, good for it, you know? Um, right. That's right. But that provides an objective that people have. And a, a, so many of our problems are objective versus subjective. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and even in the underground man, I mean, the underground man looks at these, and it's interesting, he looks at the leftists of his day, you know, and he looks at the progressives of his day, and he's saying, well, he's saying, you say that man needs to know his real advantage. Like, advantage, what is that? Like what is advantage? Like it's just a, it's a subjective term. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And so and and then he break and see and it breaks it down even further, because he talks about the current view of advantage. Right? He lists two things that basically form people's view of advantage. And tell me if this is not how we do it today. Right? <laughs> yeah. So number one, he says, okay, it's an average of statistical figures. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times, get your phone, turn it on, and go to like Google News or any news source that you want, and it'll, you'll have so many statistical figures thrown at you. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, 53% of this, people feel that 22% of the people, and... Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean... And, Everything's and, measured with a metric. You got of metric. Everything. Everything. Man, right, right down measured. to. I got a phone call the other night wondering about how many kids I had that were vaccinated. Is that right? Yeah, two nights, and it was a legitimate phone call. Wow, really? Like this, yeah, this was not some scammer or something. I actually had a wow. conversation with. Them. I was like, Oh yeah, what would lead you to the job you're sitting in right now to call my house? Yeah, right, no doubt. Seven thirty at night, sure, and ask me such a question. What in the world? Yeah, and it was it was for uh, tracking purposes for the states to determine how much grant money they would get from sure. the government. Sure, what in the world? Right. Yeah, wow. everything yeah. is tracked by a metric. I'm sure Jockey knows how many pairs of red underwear they sell. Yeah, and that's how they do their manufacturing. Oh but no, yes, it's everything. When I was every in the single thing, when I was in the convenience store industry, and I was in that industry for 15 years. I, I was part of the entire, the revolution and the scanning revolution. And they want every, right down to the item, you know, oh, yeah. right down and right down to the margin. I mean, right. They'll say, Hey, I need to, I need the top 10 items by margin, right. By, you know, boom. So you're not even dealing with sales numbers anymore. I mean, you're, you're, you're able to look at things from so many different metrics and so many different ways. Um, and you can, you can forecast it out. It's unbelievable. So people are looking for the objective truth without even knowing what they're doing. Yeah, no, and they they really do. And and you know, the thing is, is you know, I read this article the other day, and I, I can't reference it now, but I, I can share it though. It was and it was great. It was so many aspects to our current culture that we don't attribute to the loss of of faith. You know, uh, the decline of of of, of active Christian faith. <laughs> Churches within communities, okay, local communities. Really, if you're a part of a local community, you exist for that local community, right? I mean, like, and it's, I get it, right? We're podcasting and we're sitting here and we're, you know, hopefully, you know, broadcasting to people all over the world. And it's an amazing thing. But the truth is, is that you and I have very little that keeps us from 
engaging with the local school board, uh, from attending our town meetings, from getting to know our local community members, to um, spending time with them, to caring about them, to being concerned for local issues. That's what churches do for communities, right? Like, if you have a local church, the local church, you're going, you're, you're getting to know people within the church. You're having dinner with them. You're learning their kids' names. When you talk about prosperity, you're generally talking about local prosperity. Um, you know, if you send your kid to school, then the school board, the school board does is of prime importance to you. You can actually change it. Um, so, uh, you know, the local church becomes this conduit. In local church, local food drives. Um, you know, who's poor, who's wealthy, who can donate, who can, uh, who has the ability to donate, who has the, who, who has the most need. We're all given different gifts, right? Yeah, right, yeah. It's, isn't it crazy how, like, whatever God set up is, like, perfect and works great? Yeah, there <laughs> I know. But yeah, people, people just totally blind to that. We're just some, oh, yeah, those are the, the Christians. They just do good things. Right, yeah, no. Absolutely and blind to it. I, I would not know you from a hole in the wall. It's true. You live two and a half miles from my house. True. And I wouldn't know you if know. it wasn't for the church. And it's been such a blessing. I mean, right, getting to know each other. I mean, you've been an incalculable blessing on me. I so. don't, I, I literally do not have, like, real family members. I mean, I, I, I do DNA-wise, but I, right. they don't speak to me. I, my family is the church. Mm, and yeah. it wasn't always... That way, I was, I think, like most of the world, I was, oh, well, you know, blood is, you know, thicker than water, whatever, you know. Sure. And you stick by your blood no matter what. Yeah. Eh, nope, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're, you know, um, you were talking about you know, there's nothing really that gets, not too much that gets in our way of being involved in our in our community. And yeah. What does God say is the most important part of that? We're supposed to exhort one another daily. Right. So that would be our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. That's right. Daily. Yeah. yeah daily. That's what he said. Right. Right. And I don't think he meant, you know, exhort one another um, by like, hey, you know, make sure that their checking account is balanced correctly. I think it was right. exhort one another in the word of God. <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, to come through and, and to form those communities and, and, and to put that the real need that's a real need in front of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was order. Everything in the Bible, everything in the yeah. world that God set up has an order. Mm-hmm. In Acts, we saw the local church established. Yeah, no, that's true. So the um, so we have the so, what does this have to do with statistical figures? The t- right. the statistical figures, okay, they are of usually they're of of a wide opinion. At least they are in our current age. Okay, no one's concerned about what's happening in a small town in a small state, but they are concerned about what's happening in the major urban centers. Right. And then they and really, I mean, that's one of the real reasons for the institutional decline of the media. The media comes from the urban landscape and they exist for the urban landscape. So if you live in Timbuktu, USA, in small state, there's not a lot on the news that really relates to you. The only thing really left to stick up for you is the Electoral College, which they were trying to do away with. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. No no, (laughs) kidding. No, I know. Other than that, you are forgotten about. Right. No, I know. Don't even get me started on that. Thanks for your corn. Goodbye. Yeah, right. Pretty much. I know. (laughs) They'll never be. A Republican will never win the popular vote ever again. And the uh, but a Democrat will. Democrats will never win the presidency ever again. Well, I was talking right. yes. when we were right. talking statistics. I was thinking about the the, the presidential election. And sure, I don't even know how much you can trust statistics anymore, given that. 
Well, right. And then, uh, but then again, that also leads us to, um, you know, political and economic formulas. And that's what the underground man talks about is Mm -hmm. we have statistical figures and then there are political and economic formulas. So the statistics tend to drive our view uh, within our echo chamber because the the statistics can be made to say whatever you want them to say. Oh, yeah, they can reaffirm your views whether or not they're right. (laughs) Right, no doubt, no doubt. And so why do we do this? We do this because we're driving a particular political agenda or an economic agenda. Mm -hmm. All right, you know, so, um, you know, and you can see that. I mean, I love the fact that in the underground, he's, he's, he's referring to it as a political economic, right? It's not just politics and economics. It's political economic. You know, because it's funny because both parties spend, you know, and that's the thing that's maddening. You know, both parties spend like drunken sailors. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just they, they, they tend to one is focused on tax cuts and the other is, you know, focused on welfare. And neither one of them is focused on immigration or health care. So, you know. One thing they both agree on, though, is lying. <laughs> right. And or, while we're on statistics, there's right. an old saying, figures can lie and liars can figure. <laughs> Boy, I've never seen that ring more true. <laughs> well, there you go. Very true. That's true. Wait, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. Figures can lie and liars can figure. Figures can lie and lions and li- figures can lie and liars can figure. So liars can figure. Yeah, right on the wall there. I'd be on our first one. <laughs> Man, wow, that's pretty good. Wow. So the liberals might get so bold that that actually is a campaign slogan. Uh, they, one, I mean. People are just buying whatever today, so I don't possibly. know. Possibly. Who knows? Maybe po- it's on a T-shirt in 2024. Po- possibly. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, man, I will, I'm interested to see what happens in the next couple of years. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> so the, um, so the, the, for the underground man, we have these four views, okay, of advantage. All right? Advantage has four ways that it's measured. All right? And it's so funny because once, once you really, once you internalize what the underground man is saying about objective versus subjective you look at all these four things these four measures and it just puts a i mean i don't know it makes me want to kind of laugh and cry at the same time you know so number one we have prosperity number two wealth number three freedom and number four peace i mean it sounds like you know it sounds like these are like campaign slogans right right <laughs> prosperity wealth freedom peace right you know no new taxes right? was yeah, that number there, 5 there you go right number 5 right that's right no new taxes right that's right no new taxes make america great again i'll build back better all these sorts of things so um mission accomplished mission accomplished being being a, being a post 911 you know oh, GI, gi bill recipient so oh, i, I yeah. have to have I have to go back to that. I can I w- I cannot forget That's that right. guy. Mission accomplished. Standing on the deck of that aircraft carrier. Mission accomplished. But we're still there for another decade plus. Yeah. Yep, decade plus. I see. You want to talk about definitions changing and reusing different right. words? There you go. I thought mission accomplished was right. done. Right. Right. Like it is finished. Done. Right. No. No doubt. No question. Apparently, that's different. Well, and this here, and and you're right, and and what's so fascinating about that is the introduction of um, of narrative. I was actually talking with a, a woman in China about this the other day. I was writing about it, but um, the introduction of narrative, right? Narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get people to buy what they don't want to buy, right? You can't you can't get say, well, you know, all of a sudden we're gonna, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're gonna have um, new word, new definition. We're gonna call it 
racism, but it's actually going to be structural in nature. So you got the memo, right? And then people don't get the memo, right? So you you create this is you have to introduce narrative, and, and that's what I think a lot of the you know I call them the postmodernist, right? So um, because um, you know so many people, so many people have these. So many people have these views, and they don't even know what they are, you know. And, and, and people on the right do this too. They have their own views. They're kind of kooky, and they don't understand really where they come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, so it's always like the postmodernist or the the critical theorist, you know. So, but what they do is they they have this belief that not that well, if man knows his own interest, if if man were to be told what's what, what is it to his advantage, then he would know what to do, and life would be good. Instead, they have narrative. They'll say. All right, here's the narrative. If you buy into the narrative, hook, line, and sinker, and you hold on for dear life, we're going to get where we're going. Right? And, and that's, that's kind of like the message. That's the signal. That's the tap, they're tapping out that signal all day long. You know, Buy into the narrative, hook, line, and sinker, hold on for dear life, and we'll get where we're going. You know? That's because people aren't informed. Yeah. The critical thinking has just been done away with. Oof. So you're so busy... You little peon, you go to work, right? And we'll fill your forty-hour work week now with a fifty-hour work week and maybe a sixty-hour work week because sure. one, uh, we've created such a um, a, a gap in um, in workers that we need you there now. You, you vacation's gone, and yeah. also we've created such an economic crisis that well now you have to work sixty hours a week to support your family, so you don't have time to keep up with. What does quantitative easing mean? You're right. just like, oh, fancy suit, nice tie. Sounds like he knows what he's talking about. All right, I'm going to go with that. That's why these guys can say whatever they want on the news. Yeah. And that's just what people follow, whatever just speaks to them. Well, there's a lot. they just trust them. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of distraction. I always think, I, like, for me, like reading Tolstoy always brings this out for me. Because, you know, Tolstoy always talks about this class struggle between rich and poor. And he always talks about, and it's always wild, he always talks about distraction as being the domain of the wealthy and the rich. And so in, in, for, in Tolstoy's time in Russia, and then also too in Dostoevsky's time, to be a peasant was to, you were worked like a slave. So you worked at a bone all the time. So all you did was work. And then you were building up the wealth on the backs of the, 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 the work of the poor. Yep. And then he talks about the wealthy class, and he says, well, the wealthy class, this is the domain of distraction. You know, that the wealthy class would, and he, you know, they, they would concern themselves with things like curtains, you know. Oh, well, we need to tear down all the curtains in this house, and we need to put up these other curtains because it's so much better. And then you have to have a cocktail party and talk about the difference in the curtains and all this. So all this elevated distraction, right? Well, now, like in our current age, everything's flipped around. So now, basically, on the phone, the poor people are drowning in distraction. And what in the world are the rich people doing? Does anybody even know? Yeah, they're creating them so they can do whatever they want. I mean, right. And that's the ultimate question is, what is everybody doing while the rest of us are distracted completely all the time? That distraction is purposeful. From a Christian standpoint, it's Satan distracting you Mm. from God. Right, sure. From from a world standpoint, what these people are doing, and I, I don't think they even, I, I don't think they know what they're doing on the on the in the Christianity aspect, but right. I think they one hundred percent know what they're doing as far as, you know, what if we can keep these people busy with like you know some Call of Duty over here, right, and uh, some Farmville over here, yep. you got and it, and some Facebook over here, yep. 
they're never going to want to look at what quantitative easing means or have any idea uh, that the Federal Reserve is not the federal anything. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is is it, it's the time it takes, right? Like, you know, to have a good idea about quantitative easing or, or one of those high-level subjects, you need to invest time, right? Uh-huh. And, and you need to invest time. Yep. So you would need to, uh, uh, you know, you, you can't... Um, and when you're distracted like that constantly, you don't have the ability to sit down and study something out. It's right. I, I think we have that time because that time we are spending on the distractions that we don't need to spend it on. Well, we are, but we you, that's you, the we taking have, the easy way out. Yeah, it is. But we have that cycle. You know, you, you, you mm-hmm. get that you get that little dopamine hit, and then all of a sudden you're like, I need something new. I need something new. I need mm-hmm. something new. You know, you do, you learn it. I mean, right? Like, hey, I learned to read fast, right? Because once I get into an article, I get halfway through the article, I'm bored. And then yeah. I want to finish the article and read a new one, you yeah. know? So I learn a skill, which is read really fast. So I can do that, you know? I mean, even the book, right? Hey, you can finish under, you can finish uh, Notes from Underground in an afternoon. I mean, you can sit down and finish in a couple hours if you want. It's not yeah. that big of a book, you know? But I mean, but, you know, at the same time, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare to. You know. I mean, I, as far as uh, you know, I wouldn't dare to. I wouldn't go through it. You know, slow because it takes. You have to really focus to be able to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? No, this is not. You know, this isn't an Arl Stein, Goosebumps book. No, this is <laughs> no. There's a lot to this. I think there's more in in this chapter seven than there is in one of those entire books. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. A lot. There is. This chapter seven is 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 very dense. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. And so these these concepts, prosperity, what is prosperity, right? I mean, some people think that they prosper by, you know, it, so listen, like, how about Dorothy Day, right? So does Dorothy Day an evil person because she because she uh, uh, she swore off wealth and considered herself to be overly prosperous? It, right. Th- this is where we get into objective and subjective. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so it's just laughable. The underground man, you're just looking at this stuff. I mean, and so, you know, it, the underground man, in one sense, you know, he, he sees, oh, you know, the stupid people of the world can have this sense of justice and objectivity and woe to them because they get all this stuff done when it doesn't matter. But then at the same time, he's like looking at he's looking at these like, you know, he's looking at the progressives of his day. He's looking at this and he's like. All this is subjective. What does this even mean? You know, like how can you even say, you know, uh, man, man does not know his own interest, own interest. Like, what is that even, right? And that's even in this day, like without the Bible, right? Like you have kids, like in, you know, pastor talks about that. You have kids show up um, to, you know, uh, kids will show up, for example, uh, and um, they've never read the Bible. You know, I, I've had students, like I mean, right? And granted. Like for example, Hong Kong is listed as the least religious place on the planet. So there's no place on earth where people are less religious than Hong Kong. I've had play like I've had students from Hong Kong, they don't know how to pronounce it. You know, they they said the they call it the Bible. Wow. They said the Bible. Never no class. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. <laughs> they I couldn't couldn't even begin to understand. The Bible. Bible. I have no clue. They have no idea what that is. And that's a very advanced advanced area of the world as far as technologically absolutely you got it so that is censorship 
at its finest. Yeah, no, no doubt. I told the student too. You know, I said, I said, hey, you live in the least, and it's funny because the student is moving to Japan, which is the second least religious place in the world. So I said, you're actually moving from the least religious place on the planet, and you're moving to the second least religious place on the planet. That's a step better, I guess. Right, I guess, I guess. <laughs> I mean, right? Hey, we're gonna pronounce Bible with a long I, so that's you know that, that's another step too. Pretty good. So, um. <laughs> Talk about a slow growth and sanctification. Oh, there you go, right? Ooh. See, there you go. You got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> there it is. But you know, you have this, you have these objective standards, and then people know how to behave. People know how to live. I mean, right? And 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 people. I mean, you see it. You see it in the young people, right? And and you see it in the young people. I mean, primarily these days, usually you see it. Usually, it's in the battle of the sexes. I think at least that's where I, I think it comes out quite a bit you know young men young ladies don't know how to behave and young men don't know how to proceed and because they don't have any rules to live by you know they want certain things and they don't they don't they don't know how to say what they want and they don't know how to react to it well everybody makes up their own objective truth i mean we're we're down to two plus two is pretty much the only thing we don't argue about anymore you know i think i People have taken, it's interesting, you know, you look at the, the view of individualism as it relates to Christianity. Christianity is the religion that values the individual. And Christians will shout that from the mountain as they should. And the reason for that, but but it's not the same as what society values for an individual, you know. So when it comes to Christianity, the Christian views the individual because each individual is individually accountable to God. Yep. And each individual is individually saved. Okay, salvation is for the individual. Yep. You know, so Steve gets saved. Tom gets saved, right? Jesus died for me, for you. It's an individual, right? Each individual, one day each individual will stand before God. Every knee. All right, every knee will bow, right? So that's what so Christianity triumphs the individual, which means that since God cares about the individual that much, okay, right, and because each individual is, is that important to God, then what do you think? How do you think you should be treating people? Yeah, as individuals, right, and right. you should be giving them the same individual respect that God does. And, and so there's this this view from the the Christian standpoint, and from the world standpoint, again the change in language, right? The language is different. Uh, from the world standpoint, we say individual. Well, individual really means I have the right to get, to believe what I want, to get what I want, right? And your own objective, right? You're kind of like an island unto yourself. So it has more to do with expression, right? Where it's more, it's what Carl Truman calls expressive individualism, you know, or, you know, and that... Uh, individualism is more and more, it's considered by... I hate to keep calling out the left, but it's considered by the left to be selfish. Uh, yeah, to be uh, for an individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you're right. not, if you're not sacrificing for the greater good mm-hmm. of the group, yeah. Well, then you're being selfish. Hence, well, the no child left behind. Uh, yeah, I and mean, that's true. A lot of that comes from the critical theorist, and then it comes from critical theory in the sense that how they want to view history. And I think I've mentioned this before, you know, and it's so crucial. I can't wait till you and I can get to Sloshberg, and, and that's going to be so exciting. Uh, but to look at, you know, the view of history, because how do you view history, right? If, if what, so if Christians say that individuals are individually accountable to God, right, then you look at history as drawn as a horizontal line. 
And each individual in history is accountable not within history. They're accountable outside of history. So their accountability for what, for, for what they do and their actions is outside the line. All right, It's outside of, of history. So history's judges outside of history. Now, the critical theorists were not stupid people. They were smart. And they said, well, if we're going to, you know, if, if we're not going to, if you don't have God, then you're not going to be able to live the way you used to live. You're going to have to be able to process things differently. Otherwise, it all falls apart, right? So they wanted to judge history from inside of history. Okay, so now whenever people are accountable within history, they have to be accountable to other parts within history. Uh, and so and there's Hegel. We'll get into all this, but, you know, and that... So you compare yourself within the timeline to other people in history. So you say, okay, well, how are you going to do that? By the individual? Nah, you're going to do it by the group. You're going to say, okay, well, one group has what's going on for them, and then the other group has what's going on for them. And then one group has power, the other group doesn't, and now you have oppression. So now we need to make sure that we can balance it out, you know, yeah. and, 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 and what have you. And so... Um, you know the the um the sexual revolution you know the parents have the power over the children they say they don't have sex so you have to be able to liberate yourself sexually in order to break the power dynamic um you know i there's, i love that story um you know um, um marcuse you know herbert marcuse used to sleep in his car he would because he knew the sexual revolution he would give speeches at these uh these places and he would drive around and he would sleep in his car because he would never charge. He would always speak for free, you know. But so the, the view of history, if history is inside of itself. And so if you're looking at the individual as from a Christian standpoint, those are, they are accountable to God, right? They are accountable to God. This is the reason why, for example, Sam Harris. You've heard that name, Sam Harris? Oh, yeah. Right? So th- that's an example of the reason that Sam Harris is a great thing. I think I've mentioned this before, too, and I'll mention it again probably because it's so very important, you know. Um Sam Harris is not a dumb guy. He's a smart guy. And, you know, he, when, he talks about, when he talks about being an atheist, he always says, don't call yourself an atheist, right? Don't call yourself an academic. Don't even call yourself a free thinker, right? He said to him, he says, if you don't believe in God, don't even bother. Don't talk, okay? The only thing you want to do is disappear. Like, don't run around telling people you're a free thinker. Because, and he's right, because if you come around and say, well, you know, Steve, I'm a real free thinker, right? Well, free from what, right? Free from the normal view of things, which is that individuals are valuable. Why are they valuable? Because God thinks they're valuable. And that makes sense to people. And people go, oh, yeah, that's a real pretty solid idea. Yeah, but if you don't quantify that, you end up as Ron Paul. <laughs> well, let's explain. If you, if you just stop it, like, well, I'm a free thinker. Like, he separated himself from the group. Right, from, yeah. From the Republicans and the Democrats, everyone thinks that guy's just nuts. If you sit down with him, have a conversation. Oh yeah, of course. Very intelligent guy. Very much so, yeah. But nope, free thinker, crazy. People didn't even want to listen to him. Well, no, that's true. But a lot of things of what he said, though, were based like in fact. I mean, the the for example, I mean, the Austrian economist, <clears throat> the Austrian economist have their own way of looking at the world. But for them, they look at it and say, okay. What you say are facts are not facts, you know, like what um, like what the Keynesian like they, like the Austrians and the Keynesians like they have to look at the Keynesians and say, no, what you got is all junk. Like what we have, our cycle is, is the correct cycle. And so, um, you know, and, and, and a lot of that, too, <clears throat> a lot of that, too, comes from uh, the political thought from the classical left. Uh, the, the idea I mean, the idea that trade between nations 
is hastened by peace, that's not like a new idea. I mean, you know, that's not a revolutionary idea either. You know, I mean, Braun didn't invent that. Uh, but uh, it's been around forever, but we've all forgotten it. I mean, no one believes it anymore. Yeah, no. Uh, or they're just getting more stubborn. I mean, we're talking, we're trying to get, what, grain out of Ukraine, and there's ports over there that Russia's yeah. blocking, and it's like, like you guys are grown men. I understand there's a bit of a conflict over there you're right. having, yeah. but um, could we not upset the entire world economy? Right. This is more people shooting themselves in the foot, and I just don't I know. get it. Like, it. It is. Like, okay, we're going to have a war, but can we, like, can we have some, some standards here? Right, yeah. You know? Oh yeah, right. No, it's true. Yeah, right. Some your rules of war, or rules, a rule, uh, rule of law. Yeah, I mean, we even have uh, in America, we have rules of engagement that we have to follow. Um, cops have the same exact thing, but uh, militarily speaking, um, we were given different rules of engagement for my first tour in Iraq uh, than we were my second tour in Iraq. The the, the climate politically had changed um, the climate as far as who was there. The civilian population had changed. Their attitude had changed. And our narrative that we were pushing changed. We actually called it hearts and minds. So we were trying to win them to our side. It's crazy. We actually worked with PSYOPs, the psychological operations team. Is that right? Yeah, and we we would drop pamphlets that had... Uh, propaganda in Arabic over Re- certain cities. I'm not kidding you. Really? This actually happened. Really? Yes. We we had trucks. We would drive around, and they had speakers on top of them. Oh, man. And it would... I don't even know what the messages were. Sure. But it was from PSYOPs, and it would just say messages in Arabic. Is that right? We would, Yeah. We would we'd have this Humvee that was in the middle of all of us, and we were just doing security because that was what was up top of there, not a gun. Yeah. Wow. And it's to drive a narrative. Yeah, right, exactly. Drive and a that narrative. is in the most raw, in-your-face way possible. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm talking about. People that haven't seen this stuff yeah. in real life, sure, they do not understand the bubble that they live in. They're trying to create utopia over here, right? Right. A lot of people are. Yeah. Because they have this grass is greener on the other side of the fence. They always think their idea is some new idea. Well, let me tell you something. 10,000 people already thought of that idea. Right. They're way behind, my friend. Way behind. Way behind, right? We already live in utopia. You're yeah. actually screwing it up right now. Right. Yeah, right. No, that's true. That was part of the- It's <laughs> a very good point. <laughs> yeah, we are past the point. Okay, we're we're at negative returns right now. Mm-hmm. And um, that was some of my notes that-, that it's later on in the chapter, but I almost yeah. was like, is the underground man like, I, is he trying to, is he wishing for a utopia? Does he just hate freedom because he doesn't like stupid people? And he just, do you, are you one of those people that thinks that you can legislate evil and stupidity out of society? No, he makes fun of those people. He doesn't like those people at all. You know, look at him in the book, right? He talks about um, Buckle, right? So for those that don't know, Henry Thomas Buckle was an English historian, all right, and uh, he died in 1862. He had a theory of civilization and war, okay? Basically what he said was that as man became softer, that wars were going to decrease, all right, that basically man was going to be less bloodthirsty, all right, that as man became more comfortable, like as man, as man had more curtains, 
you know, in his house and as he had more pillows and as he had more walks through the garden and, you know, as this, then he, he wouldn't have the stomach for war. And so there would be less war. Uh, and, you know, Dostoevsky just laughs at this. I mean, he, he and, and, and he he points out to the Napoleonic Wars and he points out to um, to um, uh, the, the the events of his day. Uh, and in the events of our day, I mean, right? Have you seen these attempts that people try to quantify the amount of death and destruction in the 20th century? Yeah, yeah. I mean, back to statistics and well, there you how go. We, how we how we measure it? Like, oh, well, there's this many traffic accidents right now, or this many. Like every time there's a plane crash, we know exactly how many people. Sure. 9/11, we know exactly how many people. They want to put a number on everything, and that's. Like the traffic accident thing, that's that's how they justify pushing a narrative, uh, because you know we view death as obviously a very bad thing, and but right. they try to think they the, they don't try to think the way that they think is like everything is preventable, you know the one death is too many, um, and so whatever narrative they want to push, you know it's never let a, a good tragedy go to waste. That's what we see, right? That's true. That's true. Everything is to push. Uh, everything is to push the narrative, and that goes back to the power dynamics. Because every time something happens, people go, "Well, who are the groups, and where was the power, and you know, where is the fairness, right?" And so that that, that kind of always drives drives back this narrative. Um, Just like in China, there has to be somebody to blame, right? The street deaths that that you yeah. know about, yeah, over there, right? There had. Over here, we have to have nope. Someone, someone's got to be to blame. We got to find blame somewhere. That's how we've become such a litigious society. They will find blame anywhere, and it doesn't stop even at the judge level at yeah, all. Right. Because if it did, we wouldn't be a litigious society because those lawsuits would be fruitless. There would be no reason to continue to pursue them. But because somebody can spill hot coffee on themselves, and it didn't say, "Hey, by the way, your coffee's going to be hot." on the cup, you can become a millionaire that way. Mm. So, and that's become the norm now. Yeah, no, it really has. I mean, it, but you look at this, though. Underground Man talks about this. I mean, it's wild, right? He, so, basically, right, the, so the Underground Man in his retort to, uh, in his retort to uh, Buckle, right, listen, this is unbelievable. Five steps, okay, right? Number one, man has a bias for systems. Right. This is what you're talking about, right? In our mm-hmm. legal system. Yep. And uh, in terms of our legal system and even the system for cr- or critical theory, right? Yep. I mean, it's different. Power dynamics is different than an objective truth, right? So uh, if you, uh, if you're looking, you're thinking about an objective truth, right and wrong, it's either right or it's wrong. And you can ha- have the ability to look at anything that you do and say, okay, is this, you know, the golden rule, right? So treat others the way that you would like to be treated yourself. And so there is an objective. And these get replaced by systems, right? And the system's victim mentality, right? By by manipulating the system. And that's number two. How do people do that? How do people manipulate the system? Man has a bias for abstract deduction. And boy, doesn't the underground man know that, right? He's kind of the king. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's almost like the underground man is like undercover, you know, like he's like this undercover, like uh, I, w- I won't say the FBI agent because that's kind of 
charge these days, but he's like, a, yeah. he's kind of like, so the underground man's like an undercover secret agent, right? And and he's got like, he, he seems like he would fit right in with these people, but no, man, he, he doesn't. He sees it all. So man has this bias for system and a bias for abstract deduction. And right now that system that we're trying to use as our objective truth is ironically the court system, the highest one. Yeah, our that's Supreme true. Court. That's where people are looking for. Oh their yeah, that's right. Truth. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, no, it's well they use it as, and what they want is they want the confirmation of narrative, right? Is you know because they, they look at them, they look at them. It's almost like it's wild. It's almost like Greece in a way, right? Like the Greece, they weren't monotheistic; they were polytheistic. So they had all these the different gods, and like that they're like they're kind of like demigods, right? Because they were in heaven sometimes, and then sometimes they come down to earth, and then sometimes they were gods, and sometimes they were people. Like, so, like, anyway, like, the Supreme Court, right, it's like they're, like, these black-robed demigods, you know, like, like, kind of, like, half, like, one foot on, one, one, one foot on, one foot on Earth and one foot in, in the peripheral. Um, but, like, they figure, if we can get those people in there, and then they say it, then they approve the narrative. You know, it's like narrative approval, right? They'll say, well, we don't like these guys because they won't approve the narrative. So we got to get them out of there and get people that will approve the narrative. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's not being they're they're viewing it not as it was intended to be used. Well, yeah, they're that's viewing true. Viewing it as a way to get what they want. But look even at this, like even the concepts above the Supreme Court, right? Like the concept of democracy. I mean, we see this all the time, right? We always say making the world safe for you did this for a while, right? And because you were in the military, making the world safe for democracy. Well, what are we even talking about here? You know, democracy. Well, that you know. was <laughs> that was a lie, anyways. Well, and that's true, but <laughs> you know, but this this man- this is this is one of those things where you're not going to be able to have you know <laughs> a conversation with me uh, about right. this that's going to resemble a conversation with any other normal human being. Sure, sure. And it's because of the things that I've seen uh, with my own eyes, the experiences that I've had, right? That I know our government is lying to us because they lied. To me, personally, right, and yeah. I lived it, and the things that I did and the things that I saw did not match mm, what right. the news was saying over and over and over, and what everybody else tells me that they were hearing over and over and over. Right. I lived it for two years. You're not going to change my mind. Right, no, I would have broke me. I, 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 I don't think I kind of done it. So, so I come back here and I'm like. <laughs> objective truth <laughs> even the supreme court by the way we're making that up as we go along we're yeah. just doing it very very slowly mm-hmm. because big changes people notice yeah small changes over time people are too busy to notice yeah that's right they don't see it well that's right that's, that's look exactly at yourself right. every day in the mirror and find out if you can figure out if you got older or if it just feels like you woke up one day and you're 40 well yeah no that's exactly right no that's exactly right I mean, you see it in the increasing crime. I mean, people giving up. I mean, when you have, you know, the debt goes up, right? If we put another half a trillion dollars under the debt, mm-hmm. and then everyone's expenditure is going to go up by on a couple thousand dollars a year, right? And we're going to pay for that through inflation. Well, through, uh, you know, through the value of the money. Uh, so people don't make the connection, right? They don't say, well, some people are going to give up. What's going to happen to them? Well, they're not going to live in a house, so you're going to have more homeless. Some people are going to get desperate. So what's going to happen to them? Oh, what do they do? They don't, they don't plant flowers in gardens. They 
cause crime, you know? So, yeah, people go, well, you know, it's going to be really hard for me to buy, uh, it's going to be really hard for me to, uh, you know, go to the store and, and, and afford to pay my grocery bill each week. Well, that's kind of like the low-hanging fruit. People need to understand. I mean, you're talking about more homeless, more crime. You're talking about more instability. And so... Yeah, the problem is that fire, that has to get up that rope to where those people are hanging on to quite a ways before it's going to matter to anybody. Because all the people that had to fall off that rope because the fire reached them. Mm. I'm just reminded of the scene from Home Alone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> fire has to get awfully high, you know. Yeah, sure. Marv is going down before Joe Pesci, I guarantee you. <laughs> nice. Nice. The, um, uh, yeah, but it's, 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 people don't see this. And so there really is a, a, there is a consequence to it. And, and again, it comes back to this bias. Man has a bias for systems and a bias for abstract deduction. You know, they don't worry about these consequences. Everything is abstracted out. And it's hard. Listen, I, I empathize with the underground, man. I love abstract thinking. I do. It's the greatest parlor trick, and I, I, I love it. I mean, I'll take it all day. But, but this is exactly right. I mean, you know, what we do is we come up with these systems, and then we abstract it like we know what we're doing. And all we're doing is just we're just – we're just swinging our junk around a china around a china shop, and everything's breaking, man. You know, like we don't have any idea what we're doing. We're fixing it till it's broken. Well, pretty, I guess, pretty much. You know, we have the instruction manual. Like you were saying, I mean, the word of God, right? Yeah. But then we don't. We just swing our junk around and break and break china glasses. I mean, that's... yeah. And we're not perfect at this as Christians. The difference that separates us, and I'm I'm glad I got a chance to make this point. Yeah. Because I don't want to I don't want to sound like one of those judgy Christians that everybody thinks Christians are. Yeah, no, Absolutely no, no. Absolutely yeah. not. Now, yeah, there right is always now. the exception to the rule out there just like racism, you'll find one or two whatever. Maybe there's a bad church out sure. there. Sure. Oh, sure. Bad pastors. Okay, great. Look at the Catholic Church, right? Yeah. Don't agree with anything they do. And there's a whole bunch of those that are really bad apples. So, you can find them anywhere you want to. But Christians do not always get treating other people right. Christians don't right. get every single decision wrong. We are human, or every single every single decision right. Yeah. We are humans, and we are not infallible. What separates us is at the end of the day, or the end of our temper tantrum, or whatever we're having, yeah. we can look back and we know, yep, we were wrong, and we know where our objective truth is. There is one objective truth. You got it. And it doesn't matter whether we like it or we don't like it. And that is where the true Christians separate themselves from the rest of the world. And that's not wrong biblically to do so, mm -hmm. because to be a friend of the world is to be at enmity with God. Yeah, amen. Yeah. I, I Boy, you know, and I love it. It's just, first of all, what you said is, is wonderful. I mean, I, 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 that's, that's so profound. It's so true. It, it really is true, um, you know, and, and I guess it will say this too, getting that out there. You know, Steve and I, we're a bit of a different kind of animal. You know, we're out, we're up here in the Northeast, in the high Northeast, and um, it's funny. You know, other places will call us spiritually dead. You know, you ever you ever read that? You ever read those articles about New England? <laughs> yeah, we're not in the Bible Belt. <laughs> no, it's funny if you read it. It's so funny because people in the people will talk about uh, in the abstract. People in the Bible Belt will talk about people like in the the far Northeast, like where we are. And they'll talk about it like, um, like we're in, uh, you know, it's like, uh, like in that, um, what was the, um, in that show with the wall? Remember that one? What was that one? That, the, the, which one was that? I don't know. That was the, uh, where was the, the winter, the, oh, that was, uh, yeah, a Westeros, right? In, uh, Game of Thrones. 
Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, so not anyways, a, not a Game of Thrones. Oh guy. yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But uh, anyways, people talk about us like we're uh, people talk about us like we're uh, like you know where it's the, the dead of winter or something. Yeah, we're, we're a lost cause. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so they say, "Whoa, New England is very spiritually dead up there." Like you know, people we have to send the missionaries there because no one up there knows who Jesus is, right? To be fair, uh, when I go out on Saturdays. Most people are all set. I mean, I'm I'm almost thinking this place is spiritually dead, and I'm here. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. No, I hear you, but I tell you, it does breed a different kind. I mean, so it breeds a different kind of Christian. And maybe if you've been listening to us for more than ten minutes, you probably have figured that out by now. You know, because you kind of got to be, you know, you're. It's funny because I think just like people from the Bible Belt will look at us, and then they will um they'll, they'll make some broad assumptions about the region, which are mostly true. You know, um, but then. I think that for me, at least, I can look at people in the Bible. I look at Christianity at large, and I see some of the debates. You know, um, you know, uh, uh, everything. I mean, right now, everything Christianity, man, right? I mean, it's it's Theo Bros and it's Big Eva, and there are controversies everywhere in Christianity from top to bottom, right? And I love looking at it, man, because and I look at it and I kind of nod my head because I'm like, man, I, we're like from the we're from the far northeast, man. Ain't no one got any time for that, all right? You know, like we're we're like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it, but I mean, it's like watching, it's like it's like watching trash TV for Christians. Like I'm gonna go, yeah. okay, well, this is great. Like I'm glad these Theo Bros are out today because this is like trash the TV for me, you know? Because it's like you know, and 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 you know, it's just it's a different kind. And I think that I think that it wears us a, a different kind of way, you know. And I think that we end up being kind of a different, two different kind of cats out there, you know. At least I hope so. Um, and then, so you put a microphone in front of us and see what happens. Oh, and Dostoevsky too. But anyhow, um, so I, I do think it's kind of interesting there. Um, and that's a nice little sidetrack to what we were talking about. Um, but here's where I think your brilliance is and what you were talking about, okay? To the Christian, the Christian has a bad day, right? And he goes to the Word of God. He goes to the objective. We, we open the Bible and we look at the objective. We see the instruction manual, and we can measure ourselves and we can make adjustments, right? And the underground man, he's got it nailed too, right? Out in the world, man denies their senses. I mean, it's right there. Man denies their senses and they justify their own logic, right? So man gets out there, they distort the truth, and they say things that aren't logical. And then they deny the senses. They... They, you know, uh, we see this all the time, right? In the, 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 um, how about in the president, the presidential press briefings, right? They ask the question, and then um, the, 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 the press secretary, they don't care. They deny the census. They don't hear, and they speak, right? So you'll have, a, for example, uh, you know, the reporter will say, uh, well, you know, isn't this just a, a, a you'll say, uh, you know, isn't this just a terrible thing? What, what are Group X going to do? You know, like they're, you know, really upset. And then the press secretary will say. Well, Group X is, is going to be very happy, and they're going to really be very happy, and we're so glad that they're happy, and, and it's a good thing, and, and it's such a wonderful thing. And then, you know, the, the reporter will say, well, what are you talking about, you know? Like, you don't sound – and then the press secretary will say, well, thank you for your question. It was really wonderful. Great to see you today. You know, like, you have the – and these things happen every day, and then people go on with their lives. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. That's because it happens so many times. I mean, you – people are so busy that they it's not that they don't care what are they what are you going to do what are you going to do about it right. honestly yeah you're you're stuck in such a big system mm-hmm. you got to go to work you got to pay your mortgage there's nothing you can do you, there's 
you are absolutely stuck. So they can dance around questions, mm -hmm. absolutely ignore you, mm -hmm. all they want to. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and you know why? It's because it's system-based, right? I mean, this is wild. And this is what, what the chapter is wild, right? Because this is all based in the book. I mean, right? Like... I think it's an amazing book. I was always blown away by it because, like, you have so many of these things jumping off each page. And, and But you're exactly right. It's the system, right? And Because man is predisposed for systems, and they want to be engaged in the system, right? Not in the word, right? Not in the objective. They want the system because the system is is subjective. I, okay. I, I got an example for you where two systems clashed. Yeah. Two of our, our government systems Clashed. So the systems that were wanted by man and that were set up by man and trusted, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, sure, okay, getting his body back to Washington D.C. Mm. I don't know if anybody understands the debacle that happened from the time he was shot and then brought to the hospital till him getting back to D.C. If there's a murder in Dallas, who has jurisdiction over that? Oh yeah, in Dallas, right, right, right. right. And the, the, who's going to do the um, autopsy? The county right, coroner. Right, the county coroner, yeah. Right. Yep. There was a fight, almost guns drawn, right. between this, yeah. Dallas PD and the Secret Service mm -hmm. at the entrance to the hospital. Because the county coroner and Dallas PD were like, no way you're leaving. There's been a homicide right. in my county, in our city. Yeah. And you're not about to head back to Washington, D.C. We really don't care who you are. And this almost came to guns being drawn right. before that guy finally backed down, backed down and let him go. I mean, so who who do you go with there? You right. got the Secret Service who's protecting the president of the United States. Right. But what does the law say? It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. So there's, there's systems that... That's why I'm saying... There is no objective truth with the exception of God. Good luck arguing with God, okay? Right. You're not having an argument with God at the entrance to the hospital. Right. That's just yeah. not going to happen. Right. There is sure. no debate. Sure. The Bible's right there. Yep. You can like it. You can not like it. But you're going to answer to that. You know, a, a lot of it is it's the concept of God's, God's word is the concept of law in, in the sense, because you have to ask yourself, right, like, what is... What is more of an imperative, okay, is which one is a bigger imperative? Is it the law, is it the rule of love or is it the rule of law? I mean, right, this is something, I mean, everyone thinks about this, but no one really expresses it, right? So many times in life, many people will say with their mouth that it's the rule of law. But what they really feel in their mind or the way they act in their lives is that it's the rule of love. And see, what the Bible teaches is we can only love within the confines of the law. Okay, you can't have the law exist within the confines of love because it becomes subjective. Uh, because, you know, love can exist within the confines of law. So you have this concept of the rule of law where when people come to America, we'll say, well, what does it mean to be an American, right? Well, American is free speech and the rule of law, right? I mean, so we have free speech. Does that mean that, you know, does that mean that you can say whatever you want or you can threaten somebody or you can, you know, yell fire in a crowded theater and all these sort of things? And the answer is, well, we also have the rule of law. So, you know, we have, we, have, we have laws, and everyone has to obey those laws. And everybody can choose how to act based on the laws that everyone is subject to. And so the rule of law 
comes down from the Bible, all right? comes down from, from God's law, okay? So that's how God's law works. So man has a law that exists within the confines of God's law, and it all goes back to God. And then within that, that, that law, it allows us to love, all right? And then we can we love there, okay? But you can't just say, well, you know, God is law. God is love, and we need to love everybody, and then we need to go out and do it. Well, then you're going to go out. You have all the subjectivity, right? And the stuff that driving the underground man insane and, mm-hmm. and, and all these things. So, you know, that's really when people say, like, for example, Republican. And that's where we don't articulate things. And that's one of the reasons why, why we do the podcast. So I show up every day, you know, is because it all comes down to your view. It all comes down to whether or not you fear God, right? Hey, you God-fearing man? Are you God-fearing man? Right, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, that's really what it all comes down to, okay? Mm-hmm. Do you fear God? I mean, right, because... I mean, because, you know, a, a conservative will say, well, America should be a place with a rule of law. Well, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, you, we need to articulate this better, okay? The rule of law comes from the rule of God, comes from the law of God, all right? Mm-hmm. And so the law of God allows us to love our brother. It allows us to make judgments. It allows us, you know, to be right with, to be right with each other because we're all trying to be right with the same thing, which is outside of history, which is why history, right, people don't change, right? It doesn't matter, right? You know, doing A, B, C is good and X, Y, Z is bad. And so it all comes down to whether or not you fear God, and that's a conversation we should have, right? And that should be echoed by every conservative everywhere, but yet we've lost that dialogue. And so we don't know how to say it. And so, you know, and and so you you don't know, we don't know how to say it anymore. And so we say all these things and people get frustrated right and then they do and, and i mean the underground man says this says it and dostoevsky knew it right with what he called modern civilization and what his modern civilization was is 50 times it, it, what we have is a hundred times worse is more stimulus more variety right is what we do is we say okay well we have a system and then what we're going to do is we're going to control the system by dulling our senses, by denying our senses, excuse me, and justifying our own logic. All right. So we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna distort the truth. We're gonna come up with our own logic, and then we're gonna deny our senses to keep within our own logic. Now, how does the system proliferate? How does the system grow bigger? How does it overcome? The system overcomes through stimulus, stimulus of the senses, which is accomplished by variety endless variety and endless stimulus and so what this does is uh you know and the underground man effectively says this makes man more bloodthirsty uh it means that uh that makes men more bloodthirsty now it doesn't mean that men don't speak out against war all right we do i mean right we do speak out against war there's less wars today i mean we have the war in ukraine but when the war in ukraine started i mean I remember talking to my son, to talking to Wyatt, and we were, um, and it's just, I mean, I was like shaken. I mean, I like, this is the first war of my lifetime, really. You know, I've never really had a real war, although I've had bloodshed. I mean, I'm so used to bloodshed. I mean, I'm practically drowning in it, and every time I, every experience that I, that I learn about, there's so much bloodshed everywhere. So, you know, uh, the underground man here, at least in the book, he's talking, he's, you know, we have, we have less war. We have a thousand times more bloodshed. And then we have the narrative which says, give peace a chance. You know, everybody should be peaceful. And yet we have people that choose the opposite all the time.
every day in every way. Yeah, but why? Well, hey, I mean, the the I, I go right back to original sin, and that's really where it comes out to, man, where original sin, right? Original sin. And, you know, you talk about knocking on doors on a Saturday morning, and it's a great thing, right? You knock on those doors. I mean, that conversation comes right out. I mean, right? Hey, you know, like you knock on the door. Hey, what do you think happens to you when you die? Man, I tell you, knock on those doors. Knock on those doors. Like, is man inherently sinful or are they inherently good? You know, and then and then uh, if they say hey, man is inherently good, you know, man's a good, it's a uh, man is an inherently good person. Boy, I've got a chapter seven. I need you to. I want to talk about with you, right? You know, so then you come out and boy, I tell you, chapter number seven was written just for you, buddy, right? You know, and if man is sinful, well, then man is in need of uh, man is in need of salvation. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. Is right before they tell you how good of a person they are, they admit to. Uh, their shortcomings in Romans 3.23, where it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll tell them that and say, well, would you say you're a sinner? I know I've sinned in my life. Sure. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. And then immediately followed by how great of a person they are. <laughs> right, right, what? right. What? What? I know. Golly. Can't earn it yourself, man. Can't do it. I spent 35 years there, so you know, I don't. I don't judge anybody. No, I, I hear you. Absolutely, I, just, I do. I do shake my head in those situations. Um, it, it's disappointing because <laughs> I don't. This is the pessimistic part of me that's just seen a lot of the world. Yeah. Um, but I, you're not going to pray away the fulfillment of Scripture, and I don't think it's getting better. I. I think we're on the downside of, of that slope. Yeah. Um, I man, the world is just so crazy today. That how how do we come back from where we are right now? And I that's not the point of this chapter. Right. I understand that, but just kind of where the comments led me. Sure. Is I don't I don't see it. I don't because. There's too many that have absolutely no idea of who God is, no critical thinking skills, and the distractions you were just talking about. Yeah. There's too many to overcome. Well, I think that you do have, I mean, you have a lot of deconstruction. I think ultimately, I mean, I I know, I I do think, I I think eventually the voice, I mean, you know, all scripture and prophecy aside, I, I think that there are voices, clear Christian voices out there. I mean, and I, I think that um, I think that you see it. Everything that gets popular, I think that there's real hope in in terms of the next generation. Uh, I guess I would say. I mean, if you're looking for a lifeline or you're looking for hope, I, I I can. I mean, think about the '60s, right? In terms of the the sexual revolution and the riots, right? 1968, um, and and how bad those were. The race riots and, yep. and how bad those were. In the 70s, uh, you had a constitutional crisis with the Nixon administration, and then you had Vietnam. I mean, really, at the end of the 70s, and you had gas lines, you had gas rationing, you know, yep. and pr- yep. price controls. Yep. So, I mean, you put yourself at the end of the 70s, right? I mean, that is a bleak time. I mean, it, we're talking. It's, that's a bleak, bleak time. 
And so what happens, right? You have this new generation that kind of comes up, right? You get they 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 nominate an actor for president. They say, no, forget it. We don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, we don't need the generals anymore. So, you know, forget the generals. And they're gonna they're gonna nominate an actor, and they say, we'll go take the actor. You know, he's kind of kooky from California, but that's all right. You know, like you know, so that's good. You know, so then they bring it in, and then you have like this this the the, the Reagan, the dawn of a new morning. You know, he says, you know, morning dawns on America. You know, it's a new morning. You know, and so um, you, you really see in the eighties, and that's kind of really I mean I was born and and grew up in the 80s and so you see like there was real hope and real optimism and 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 you know real change yeah well we went we elected another charismatic person if you recall yeah no I I know I know that's they're true. still raiding his place right <laughs> well right I know because they saw what happened they didn't want that to happen not again, quite right? as popular yeah yeah, yeah no quite, not quite as popular I do think but I also too like for example we were talking about Sam Harris earlier in the podcast and like, you know, when, when he made this recent comments about, um, you know, about uh, he was talking about the Biden, he, you know, he said, um, you know, he said, uh, you know, Hunter Biden could have had uh, the bodies of dead children in his basement and I wouldn't have cared. You know, and, and he, he said uh, and then he also said uh, and then he also said, uh, you know, oh, it was a good thing that, uh, you know, if people did rig the election so Trump wouldn't win, this is a good thing. We should all be celebrating this. I mean, we should think, hey, you know, we're thankful that people did this because we can't take another four years. Um, and so, but when that happened, it was really pleasing to see every, how dismissive people were and, and people were like, okay, you know, like there seemed to be a line, like people just get exasperated with it. I mean, they really do. I mean, right. They get exasperated with it. I mean, you get, I mean, like, right. I mean, there's only so much, there's only so much cultural rot. Like, okay. There's only so much that people can really stand. All right. I mean, and, and you can't, if you're frank about it. And you don't shield yourself from it, and you speak plainly about it. It's pretty obvious. I mean, right? And that's where we are. I've mentioned it before. You see it in the battle of the sexes, and I think that's where you live it out because everyone has that desire. Everybody wants to love. They want to be loved, and they want. I mean, we'll probably do a podcast or even a series on this. I mean, it's it's pretty great. I mean, it's a real need out there. But you know, everyone has a desire to. They want to be. They want to love. They want to be loved. Everybody wants to be able to have physical intimacy and everybody wants to have authenticity in their relationships on every level of intimacy. And so, you know, at some point, you know, the critical theorists, you know, they get they get they get they get a W. And so uh, they're able to say, okay, well, what's better is, you know, if we just, you know, we make we will turn the earth into like the world's biggest orgy and that's would be fine. So they decide to do that. And then, you know, you have. I mean, recently we saw it on on Twitter. There was a uh, on TikTok. I think it was a um, there was a recently, uh, you know, girls listing out the number of partners they've had, and then and, and where they were, and and and, and this, such a thing. So we have the promiscuity problem. So you're right. We have we have birth control, we have abortions, and we have Viagra, right? And so what happens is we we're going to tear down the institution of marriage. We're going to give all the men Viagra. We're going to give women access to free abortions and birth control. And then we're going to, uh, and then we're going to, um, uh, you know, and then we're going to uh, have hookup culture, right? And so what happens is it all goes according to plan. See, that's the thing about it, right? So you look at the end result, right? Everything goes according to plan, right? And now what do we have now, right? What do we have? We have, uh, so uh, we have men that, we have men that can't get erections anymore, Right. Although we have whatever the whole world's flooded with Viagra. Right. And then we have women that are completely unfulfilled. Right. And then they can't they, they, they can't find partners. They can't get married. They can't have quality relationships. 
and their 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 the the their intimacy has been devalued into almost nothing, into basically takeout food. Right. And we have men and women that have no idea how to act, no idea what to do, and they don't know how to get together, and they don't know, and and so they're able to earn. I mean, right? If you want to, you know, you have people, you know, you have people that live in major metropolitan areas like New York. That have lives that are well beyond what I have. I mean, if you're listening right now, I mean, whatever you think I have, I mean, I really, it's, you know, there are people that don't get along very well in life that experience a paparazzi lifestyle that I couldn't even think of, you know? Um, and this was a big thing. I mean, right with the um, the Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard trial. I mean, that was a major cultural event for it really was. And even if you know it, even if you have no idea who I'm talking about, it was a major cultural event because it it really it showed the world like, okay, these are people. These are rich people. These are famous people. These are people like when you want to watch a movie, you go, I want to watch a Johnny Depp movie, or I want to watch Pirates of the Caribbean, or whatever it is, you know, because. These are people, these are movers and shakers and influencers of the highest level, right? And then in the court, we could see their lives stripped away, and we could see how awful and empty and stupid it all was. And we look at these people and we say, golly, who are these people? You know, like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let these people come within 20, 20, 20 yards of my kids, yeah. you know, yeah. right? And then you say, then you look, but then you look in the mirror and you say, man, what, what am I doing? You know, and, and then you can, and so, you know, anyways, going back to it, you have like the young people, right? And then the battle of sexes, no one knows what to do. And so eventually what people are going to do is people are going to, people are going to, I think that people are going to have a moment and you can transpose this from like, I'm, I'm using it in the terms of the institution of marriage and relationships and intimacy, but you can actually transpose this into all different areas of life, right? And so when you transpose this, you can say, at some point, people are going to say, I've had enough. No more. You know, at some point, you know, and you see this now in the battle of the sexes. You have women who are saying, you know what? All this stuff about voting and about, uh, you know, being stuck in the kitchen, I'm, I'm not, it, it doesn't affect me. I was born in 1996. I don't care. They're like, you know, I want stable relationships and whatever it takes. So if that means I'm in the kitchen, fine. Don't care. Just tell me what I need to do. You know, and the men, men will say, what do I need to do? Like, tell me, I, I want to end up like my grandpa ended up. I don't want to end up like my dad ended up unless they tell me what I need to do, whatever it is, I'll do it. You know, and so you have, I think there's going to be a snapback at some point. I think at some point, uh, young people will say, hey, give us an objective standard. Give us an objective standard. And I think as Christians, what we need to do is we need to do what Paul said, be prepared to give an answer. You know, and so we need to, you know, because I think at some point, every Christian, every person, every Christian is going to come to a point where they're going to come across people who are going to say, you know what, enough, you know what, forget you, get out, you, you seem to have something to say, give me something to do, I'm going to do it, and if it works, I'm with you, right, and we need to be able to be there to build that bridge and be able to, you know, to give the objective, because all the answers are there. And then, you know, and then I think when, when people are, are, are there, then you'll see a groundswell, you know, and then, and I think that you'll, you'll see a, 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 we're still in the best position in America, I think worldwide. I mean, right, I don't think Europe, Europe is, I don't think they're going to figure it out. You know, I don't think in the Middle East, they're not going to figure it out. China's not going to figure it out, uh, you know. No, I, I still think America is the greatest country that we have on earth when you measure it by 
freedom, no doubt. Uh, and that's freedom of religion is uh, ultimately the the biggest thing to me now, um, because God controls everything, and I don't think there's a country out there that comes close to what we have. Um, but we have that combined with our economic power and our military power. Um, and that's why you still see the dollar as, as powerful as it is. Mm. Because we are still the beacon of hope in the world compared to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I I, mean, I, I, I think it really just it comes down to people going to have to see it all comes back down to the Bible. You know, you see that. I mean, there have been times in history when Christianity has been down in the Middle Ages. Right, and other times when Christianity has been in serious trouble. Yeah, it's true, and it's happened before, and every single time, it's roared back. I and mean, you know, there's a reason for that. I mean, um, in in the chapter, in chapter number seven, to, to get back to the where we we're talking about in the chapter number seven, you can see in the natural order. I, I thought it was fascinating how Dostoevsky calls he he draws he draws he draws the ne- the nature argument. He draws in nature. And I thought this was profound. I mean, I did. Because, you know, as Christians, we say, all right, so you can see it all around you, right? Man has no excuse. You can look around you, and you can see that nature has an order, right? Well, where does that order come from? Yep. Right? Well, in the book, you know, like, Dostoevsky talks about natural order. Nature provides the objective, all right? So you can say, okay, well, we can have an objective. We don't have to be so subjective about everything. We can look to nature, and nature can give us our order, right? But mm-hmm. to do, but to the underground, see, and I always say this, the underground man sees it all, right? He's got the big picture. He's got everything but God, right? He, he need, The underground man needs to get saved, right? But he sees it all, right? And so he's like, okay, so science provides the means to know the natural objective. So you can look at a tree and you can say, okay, why does a tree create bark? How does it create bark? How does it draw water from the ground? How does it form leaves? How does it do all these things? Well, you can have all that information ad nauseum. I mean, you can have the what you can have, you can get you can get the what all day long, right? I mean, you can have all the information that you need, right? And the underground man is so insightful. If you have all the information, but you don't have you don't have, you know, you may have a type of of objective. You may have an objective, but it's no more objective than a piano key is objective. Right. You know, right? Like, if I come to you and I say, hey, I just, I got this piece of music that you need, that, that, that you need to, uh, you need to hear, you need to play. You know, you play the piano. I give you the sheet music. You sit down and you're just going to play the notes. And you may say, well, this is a beautiful piece of music. You know, Tom, you're exactly right. Wow, this is so beautiful. Well, at the end of the day, all you're doing is just reading the notes and tapping the keys. Yep. And and so you can call it beautiful all all, all day if you want to. It just doesn't matter. But, you know, it turns man into nothing but this piano key. You know, like, oh, well, I know all about nature and science. Like, I know all these scientific facts. And I know that if I get up in the morning, I know if I sleep for eight hours every night, then I'll get up in the morning and feel great. And I know if I eat this much for my breakfast and I have this many proteins, then I'll feel great. And I know if I watch the show, then I'll feel happy. Right. And they're like, what does all this produce? I mean, right? It produces a bunch of humans as piano keys, right? So, I mean, we have this. And the underground man tells us what it produces, right? He says, number one, we get the objectives are now categorized, right? So 
the Bible says that the objective became a man and, right, became a man and died on a cross, right? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what is the truth? The truth is the person. is Jesus. I'm the way. I am the truth. So anyhow, we have the objectives that are now categorized. They're categorized through science and through nature and through categorization of facts. Man no longer needs to make decisions for himself. How many hours should I sleep tonight, baby? Nine. What, what should I eat for breakfast, baby? Oatmeal. I don't, I don't know what to eat for breakfast, by the way. But then, uh, you know, um, what should we watch for TV, baby? Let's watch this show. You know, like, I mean, you can have it all, right? And so life becomes exceedingly easy, and then all decisions can just be tabulated on, here we go, mathematical scale, and what was that, Mr. Zuckerberg? I have no idea. Algorithm, right? Algorithm, right? Algorithm. It's all the algorithm, right? And what do we try to do in our modern-day society? Predict algorithm right twitter is exist on an algorithm facebook exists on an algorithm right you talked you, you were the one that said it earlier you talked about the um the what was that you know when people uh you know people always see what they're they always they always confirm their priors all the time oh yeah yeah people are able to find anything that confirms their own beliefs yeah you know like what'd you call it the uh right what figures can lie and liars can figure? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. That's I think the you, campaign no, you, slogan. You called it the echo chamber, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know the, the echo, echo chamber. chamber. So I I mean, know, people don't realize it. Just how do you not have enough humility to understand that's what you're doing? Like, are you really that arrogant to think that your point of view is the only one out there? To not look at somebody else's and think like, yeah, I might be wrong. Like, ever been wrong? Happened to me. Like, I've been wrong before. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> I think, again, this goes back to our conversation previously about being in the local community. And I think that comes down to the local community. So, um, for example, um, when you're talking with people in the local community and you know them and, and you know, if someone gets up in the – okay, so if you're at a, a school board meeting and someone gets up and they give an impassioned speech about their kid in the school board and you say, yeah, this person has a good point, you know, and it's easy to do that because you live in the same town and you have the same aspirations for your kids, right? Well, if you find out that person is a raging leftist later, you're less liable to – you're not going to hate them. Because you're going to think, well, I know at the end of the day they may we may disagree a lot, but I know at the end of the day that you know the person does love their kids, and hey, you know that's something. I, they're not going to burn down the town, right? You know, yeah. and you know, but when we don't, we get outside of that local community, right? And this is, and we've all lost it, right? I mean, hey, I think, I mean, unbelievers have lost it, believers have lost it too. Oh yeah. I mean, right? I mean, you know, not being not being in the local church and caring about the local community. Hey, guilty. I'm guilty as charged. I mean, right? Look at me now. I mean, right? You're sitting here doing a podcast, right? I, you know, I, uh, I think I, I realized something when I became saved. I used to look at like, okay, there's conservatives and then there's liberals, right? You're sure. right and you're left. When I became saved, I realized that all the right is is they're just a bunch of right wing leftists. That's it. Yeah, right. That's that's literally it. Yep, you got it. I hear a bunch of people that I agree with politically. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, Happens oh, you time. are so lost. Happens all the time. It's e- true. E- e- the right wing, they have no objective yep. truth. None. Yep, you and got it. And if you are not saved, you're not going to. You got it. You got it. I see it. It's so insightful. It's true. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I really couldn't. 
I really couldn't. And, you know, it's hard watching people dance, you know. It's hard watching people try to dance around the objective truth because, you know, you get, it's got to come from the Bible, you know. I mean, right? Man, maybe this isn't the right path to take, but I just stopped. It was nice. I had I had peace, uh, and I just stopped caring what everybody else was doing politically. And um, mm. I know, like, I would see a decision made on the local school board. I'm like, eh. My kids are homeschooled. Doesn't affect me. Right. I've oh, had yeah. it. Right. You know what? And it's it's the same. I think it's the same thought process as earlier when you're talking about the reporter who gets their question danced around by the White House press secretary. Yeah, right sure. Right in front of millions of people. Everybody right. sees it and nobody says anything. Right. Because why? Because you cannot fight a system this big. I spent 35 years of my life thinking I could fight a system but that's that what, but that's what people no but that's what it's the narrative and that's what people learn I mean we teach our young people right we teach our young people that um, you know we teach our young people that okay this is the system this is how the game is played and so this is how you gain power and this is the right way to wield power right that's why liberal elites in coastal cities you know can say well you know they can say uh, they can tell people what to do you know and say well this is how you know um, you know, we want to, uh, we can have the, we can have the LGBTQ flag, but we can't have the Christian flag. And the reason why they can say that is because they have been, you know, they've educated themselves to learn about the system, uh, which is, uh, like, just like, uh, the underground man says, man has a bias for systems, man has a bias for abstract deduction. And so they're the ones that are telling you how to, f- how to use that power. And so we train our kids that, Either you're gonna educate yourself on the system and you're gonna you're gonna get yourself to the levies of power, or you're not. And if you know, and if you're not, then you know, then you know, there's a reason why, and then then, then it's power imbalances, you know. And then if if uh, if you are, then it's structural systems. And instead, you know, there's a different way, which is you know, you raise your kids in the Word, raise your kids on the Bible, right? But even then, we, we're not really quite there because you know. I, and I, I forget who said this. It's not an original thought. I read it somewhere, and I don't remember who said it, but it's so true. We don't, you know, just the whole concept of, you know, we, we train our kids, know the Bible, and then don't engage, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like don't engage. Like, don't worry about everyone. Form a wall and don't go out there. Like, you know, you're. it's almost like, you know, it's like, it's like it's it's it, it, you know it's like it's like Dostoevsky. It's, it's a great quote, one of his greatest quotes. And I, I'm, I wish I'm going to try to quote it word for word. I'm not sure if I can, but he said, and he said this. He said, he said, if they ever decide to destroy God, we will shepherd him underground. You know, and so he he talked about like how you know believers even if even if god you know cuz the, the 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 whole death of god was a concept of that during that time and so dostoevsky would say even if they kill god even if god dies we will shepherd him underground like we will take him underground and we will shepherd him until he is ready to rise again you know like like so you know in this this but this whole attitude it's just in the age of information in this age i mean and and it's not every christian i i don't think but i mean you know the Christians who are engaging, you know, and that's a big thing in Christianity is, should we be engaging the culture war? Should we be out there? Should Christians be culture warriors? Yes or no? And it's a good question. And and I think, 
whether or not we should or shouldn't, maybe I'll leave that to other people to say, but if we are going to, then we need to do it correctly. We need to do it right, you know, and we need to do it correctly. And, and I think that the enemy comes from Blunderville, and I think it all comes down to, I mean, objective versus subjective, and it's a lot of this stuff in this chapter, in chapter 7. It's a lot of it. It's so much of it, you know, because, like, you know, if you're, you know, like, guys, like, you know, so many, so many cultural critics are so there, you know. I mean, so many cultural critics, like, you know, the Jordan Petersons of the world and, 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 and so many cultural critics out there are you know, there, and they're right where they need to be, and they have all the right words and the right concepts, but then it ends up being like a circular logic, you know, kind of like the underground man, you know, like, they're kind of like, they're kind of like improving upon the underground man's ruminations, but they're not getting out of that cycle, you know, and you never will until you have that objective, and that objective is never going to be on a scale, and it's never going to come from an algorithm, because, and the underground man says it right in the chapter. If it did, if if human, all right, if the advantage, he calls it the advantage. Great words, you know. <laughs> there it is. I sound like there it is. I sound like forty six, right? <laughs> great words. I have great words. So people like me. I the best, the best I have ever. The best. I have the best ever. The best words. <laughs> Everyone always says it. Whenever I write a book, people always write me all the time. They tell me I have the best words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, is it if you're dealing with it on a scale or an algorithm, right? then it's going to be perfect logic, all right? And life will be devoid of incidents and adventure. No more incidents and no more adventure. And it can never be perfect, right? I mean, you know, you'll never be perfect. No more incidents and no more adventure. Now, you could say, well, what if we all follow the Bible and we follow the Bible? Would that mean there would be an end to incidents and an end to adventure? No. Why? Because... The Bible isn't a scale or an algorithm. It's a relationship. You know, it's, the truth isn't something that you read and follow. It's a person. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, you know, you do it through, you know, and I think it was, uh, you know, the other day a pastor was saying, he said, when you read the Bible, does God talk to you? Do you hear God speaking to you through the Bible? You know, and I think for a Christian, that's a real thing. That's a real experience, you know. It should be. Yeah, I know. It certainly better be. No, absolutely. (laughs) And so, but, you know, that, and so for, I think for the Christian, that they, they find that, and so they're able to, those incidences and those, those adventures, they, they flourish in the life of the Christian, whereas so many people are looking for that perfect algorithm, you know, like, why do they go on Facebook every morning, right? Because they're like, well, if I drink my coffee and finish my breakfast and then I spend 20 minutes on Facebook, then that's going to guarantee my day. I mean, that means I got a guaranteed winner. I mean, it's like buying a lottery ticket, and you already know what it is. You like go in, and you say, "Hey, uh, you know, could I have the lottery ticket that wins ten thousand dollars?" Great, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Great, put it in my pocket, and I'm the best day in the world. You know, <laughs> well, if the algorithm could do that for you, and everybody thinks it does, because you all scroll Facebook for twenty minutes, and then we spend the rest of our day, you know, like trying to dig ourselves out of a mountain of, of dung. I think it's. I think I think that stuff's mindless. That's. Personally, I don't think it's intentional um, that anybody, you know, whenever people pick up their phone, I, th- I th- and whether you're scrolling through Facebook or yeah. TikTok, whatever it is, sure. playing games, I, I think it's um, it's the easy way out. It's mindless. It's a break from whatever you were just thinking about. Uh, 
that's why we have things now that actually measure your screen time. I almost think the people that wrote that because I don't, I don't, I just don't believe that any of this technology is for our, our benefit at all. So I almost think the people that wrote that are laughing at us because they're like, look, these idiots are seeing that they're spending six and a half hours a day staring at their screen and sure. they're still doing it. Ha! <laughs> sure. Morons. Um, but I, I just, I, th- I think it's habit and uh, laziness and it's a fun distraction. Um, so that's why we keep doing it. It's constant stimulus to it, our brains. Well, it really is. You know, it really is. And it, it goes back to, um, it's a constant stimulus and, um, more stimulus, more variety for the senses. All right. And it just makes men more, it makes them more, more bloodthirsty. And, 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 in in the chapter that's, it's illustrated through boredom. Right, it's illustrated through boredom, and he's got that example about Cleopatra. Yeah, you know, in, in the chapter, and he talks about Cleopatra would would uh, push the pins right in yep. into people's skin, right? And so, and it's a great illustration because why would she do that? Does she do it because she's evil, right? Or maybe she does it because you know she was systematically oppressed, and uh, you know she doesn't know what's good for human beings. And if someone were to tell her to what is her, to her advantage, then she she wouldn't do that anymore. Right? Well, now we have Dostoevsky comes along, and he's going to tell us, nope. You know why she did it? Boredom, right? Man, they should have had an iPhone back then. Ennui, right? Boy, man, I'm telling you, man, boredom, ennui, it's all there. You know, because uh, if you're Cleopatra and you're the prettiest girl, you're the prettiest girl at the party. And you're the queen of the nation, and you have all the gold and jewels that you need, and you have everything you could ever possibly want. And you know you're married to. Wasn't you married to Charlton Heston? Oh yeah. All right, I think so. Right. Yep. And so, anyways. Exactly. So you got everything that you need, and what's God going to do to you? Is you going to be bored, right? And so, what does that result in, right? I mean, what does that even look like? Well, you know, I mean, we can see that. What does that look like? It looks like pushing pins into people. All right, that's what it looks like. And so, try to contrast the life that. Um, that Cleopatra had, right? Like I was saying with Tolstoy before, right? Tolstoy used to say, oh, the poor people, they have to work themselves so that their hands and feet fall off because, you know, they have no more skin on the bottom of their feet because they work so hard. And the rich people, you know, they, they're all distracted all day. Well, in our current age, we're all distracted. Like the even the normal people, I mean, no one works anymore and everyone's always distracted and stuff. So you look at that. And so how much worse is it for us? I mean, what are we doing, right, with boredom? You know, I mean, I could tell you, I mean, you know, and you look at gender surgeries. I mean, I, I now we're getting into some crazy stuff. I know, we should probably go back to sticking pins in people. Man, I'm telling you. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> there you go. Right. I mean, I'm telling you. I, 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 I Yeah. And, and in some ways we do. So, I mean, it's just you look at the world and then you see, yeah, you know, that's what it is, man. Right. I mean, it's boredom. And then just like Cleopatra sticking them pins, man, we're doing it a thousand times worse, man. A thousand times worse. You know, and we do it simply for the sake of doing it. Out of what? Spite. You got it, man. Man, there it is. There it is. There it is. Page one. Yep. I am a spiteful man. Woo. I am a spiteful man. I do it out of spite. You know, man does it to prove that he can do what he wants. All right? And when he does it, the saddest part, he finds many followers. You know? I mean, what is it you say to me all the time? The bar is set 
Oh, the oh the the bar in society is so low, and that's. I'm gonna keep going back to my example of, it's the path of least resistance. Yeah. So when I'm teaching my kids just about life in general, yeah, I'll tell them, look, if it were easy to have everything that you see out there on TV and the internet, yeah, don't you think everybody would have a mansion and a Ferrari? There you go. It's not easy to get anywhere that you want to be or everybody would be there. Yeah, right. So that is going to be your measuring stick on how hard you're going to have to work yeah. to get somewhere. Wow, no, it's true. It's really true. No, absolutely. It's exactly right. Um, and so it just, you know, to wrap this up, the underground man is talking about the advantage over all other advantages. And the advantage over all other advantages is free will, right? Man chooses, he gets to choose what's contrary to his own interest because it's the only way that he can express himself outside of the natural order or of the algorithm, right? You know, so either either, either the advantage can be quantified or it can't, all right? And if it can, then there's a perfect day there's a perfect way to act in the perfect day. And such a thing is unacceptable to man, right? The aim of man is not logic or perfect order. Man wants an independent choice. And so just like I couldn't quantify the relationship between you and I, I mean, I can't quantify our friendship. I mean, I can't sit down and say, well, you know, I'm going to sit down and write eight pages about our friendship and quantify every aspect of it. I couldn't do it. Right. And just like I couldn't do that. And what makes our friendship thrilling is that it's a choice. Every time we choose to get together, we do things. It's a choice. So that's what's thrilling about it. And it's the same way. And as man within history looks outside of history, he looks to God. And so there is that relationship. We have a person, you know, Jesus. And uh, we have a person, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so. Just like I can't quantify my friendship with you, I can't quantify what I do with Christ. And yet, you know, I can say the aim of man is not perfect logic. It's not perfect order. It is the way of man. What is the way of man, right? What is the way of man? There isn't. There's the way of God. And so what man wants is independent choice. And that choice is, we're gonna, is and now we, I said this before, right? Are you a God-fearing man, right? Do you right. fear God, right. right? You know, and, and honestly, I mean, because people will say, well, I, I'm not a Christian, or I used to be a Christian, or here's what I think of Christians, right? And, like, that's such minutia, right? I mean, it really is. I mean, it all comes down to, listen, do you fear God? Because if the answer is yes, then you obviously believe in God, and, you know, and do you fear him, all right? Well, why? I mean, get, you know, let's I can find out more about a person, and then I can connect with you because we all have the same human experience, or no, if you don't fear God, then you probably don't believe in him. And, and, and then, you know, then what do you believe, right? Because everyone has a hierarchy of values. I mean, even the person who has no values has a hierarchy of values because not having any values is his highest value. So everybody has yeah. it. So then, so, so don't tell me you don't have any values. Like, what right. is your value, you know? So, you know, so 
therefore, it all comes down to that. I mean, right? I mean, are, are you a God-fearing man, right? Do you fear God, right? And then you go from there. So man has his independent choice, and man has his distractions. And so we can distract, and that's all it is, is we can distract and distract and distract and distract. Man has his distractions, and man also has, so he has a choice. I can distract, I can deny, or I can have divinity. Yeah, yeah, and I, right? that word advantage, that I, I was frustrated all through the chapter because I'm like, would you get to the point here? It was like, right. I'm trying to figure out, like, what are you talking about with advantage? And he finally hits well, it in go. the last sentence. The advantage is free will. Yeah. That's exactly. the one advantage. And I'm like, right. you, you took like nine pages, a half hour of my life, I'll never <laughs> get back to tell me what advantage meant. YouTube society, right? They'll say, breaking news, <laughs> right? They'll say, they'll say, they'll say, uh, they'll say, Ancient author from you know eighteen from the eighteen fifties, right? I'll say breaking news. Ancient author offers a, a, a key to life, right? And you look down in the corner and it says two minutes and eleven seconds. You go I'm seriously. In. <laughs> you, go, you go, man, I'm in. Two minutes of the key to life. I'm there, man. And then about a minute and thirty seconds in, you go, oh man, I'm done with this, man. What else is there, <laughs> right? Yeah, I I feel like it. Like maybe on this podcast, I need to put like at what time we let you know what advantage meant. You know, actually, it's probably right. quicker oh, just yeah. to read the book. To be honest with you. <laughs> well, maybe no, but maybe. But here's the thing, though. You know, is that if you're uh, so if you've made it this far, okay. So I I don't know how many hours it's been, but if you've made it this far. Yeah, then um, I hopefully you've had um, some time to take a couple notes or maybe to um, just think about and digest what it is that we're talking about um, and to really think about it. Because I think some of our podcasts are, are shorter. Maybe they're only 40 minutes. And so maybe that's a quick in and out. Uh, but then these ones have a lot more to, to really dive into. And this chapter was really, really, really just uh, pretty huge. Um, so, and if you do, if you've made it this far, thank you, by the way, for as I was going to say, thank you, and uh, congratulations, and, and you, we'll have a lot to think about, because there's a lot of problems in the world, you know, and I, I think that, you know, yeah, it'd be great, you know, it, hey, we can put this on YouTube, right, we'll get two minutes of it, and then you can put breaking news, uh, breaking news, uh, you know, uh, uh, Crazy person discovers secret to life, right? And then, uh, and then, as long as it's less than three minutes, then then it'll go viral. But, right. um, but it takes more than that to be able to change, and to be able to to to, to change society, and to be able to help turn things around, and be able to win people for God, and and so, um, and get people to think about these things seriously. So, if you've been with us, that's really our purpose. I appreciate it, and, and 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 hey, that's great, great, good, good, good stuff. Definitely. So we thank you for being with us, and uh, we're looking forward to chapter eight uh, next time around. So we'll see you then. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time.